0: Welcome to Relevant Parties by Carhartt, Work in Progress. I'm Char Ravens, and in this series, I'm going behind the scenes at some of the world's best independent record labels to meet the visionaries and the obsessives who've made musical history. In each episode, we sit down with one of these label founders to find out what makes them tick. We hear the tall tales and big ideas behind some of the most influential records and scenes of the past 30 years, and maybe try to work out just what possessed them to take on one of the most challenging jobs in the music industry. Over the first two series of relevant parties, I've had the chance to find out about all kinds of labels, from small-scale vinyl-focused specialists... To internationally renowned agenda setting indies and along the way i've noticed a few things about these record label folks and what they have in common there's definitely a type Uh, they might not all conform to it but your typical label boss is for one thing totally dedicated to their vision even if that changes from year to year or even month to month They're stubborn about the art, but pragmatic too. They have to be completely convinced of the quality of what they put out and take it on the chin, when not every release sets the world on fire like they think it ought to. The other thing is, well, uh, they're usually men. And in recent years, it's been extremely heartening to see more women setting up labels, uh, especially in the kind of dance and experimental worlds that I often write about as a journalist. But they are still in the extreme minority. So for obvious personal reasons, I rather feel like we've saved the best till last with this second series of relevant parties. We're about to have an encounter with two women who run one of the best dance labels in one of the best dance cities. It's Mahogany Music. Tracy Washington and Florence Lee have been running Mahogany together for the last decade, uh, while Tracy was brought in way back in the beginning of the century by the label's original founder, Moody Man, also known as Kenny Dixon Jr. Along with Moody Man's own records on the KDJ imprint, Mahogany stands as this kind of living, breathing tribute to the city's endless musical innovation. Tapping into vintage Motown, soul, and funk, the cosmic slop of Parliament Funkadelic, and the sample sorcery of 90s hip-hop. Tracy and Flo's job is to keep this kind of sprawling artistic vision under some kind of control, working from their respective bases in Detroit and Vienna, Austria. And it was a treat to get them both on a call to explain their unusual roles as the caretakers of this resolutely underground label. We talked about the eccentricity and generosity of Moody Man himself and about working with phenomenal talents like Amp Fiddler, Andres and the mighty Norma Jean Bell. We also talked about the importance of radio, of roller skating, and being part of a music community, as well as their experiences as two black women in an industry that's still dominated by white men. As usual, you can head to the Spotify playlist for a deeper dive into the Mahogany music catalogue. I don't think there's a single bad record in there, truly. And uh, When I heard how passionate Tracy and Flo still are about all of this music, all these releases, it kind of made the whole listening experience that much richer for me so i imagine it will do the same for you without further ado then thank you for listening to the second volume of relevant parties see you on the other side so what would be a good thing to do is to have you each introduce yourselves and just kind of give your name and what what you do so that people can kind of get used to your voice perhaps tell me a little bit else about yourself if you like My name is Tracy
1: Latrinda Washington. I am from Detroit. I run Mahogany Music and KDJ Records with Florence, um, my counterpart. And I have been running this label since 2002. I'm
2: currently based in Detroit and looking forward to this conversation. My name is Florence Lee. I am uh, born and raised and still based in Vienna, Austria. I, as Tracy said, co-run this label or both labels i've been with the label uh since 2010 yeah i'm also looking forward to this conversation
0: so i think we should get some kind of obvious um questions out the way first and what i'd like to know number one is how you came to work for mahogany both of you Uh, i mean obviously tracy first like what was your route to this job
1: my route is knowing kenny since i was 16 years old through music. I remember like so many people in Detroit listening to music in his basement. I wish I had been one who he taught how to DJ like uh, several other people from the city, but Our commonality was always music. Anybody knows me knows that Kenny is my brother. There's no, there's no other way to explain. He's just, once he came into my life, he never left. Mm -hmm. And I went away to school in 1991 to Michigan State University. And I would stay in touch with him, bump into him. But I remember calling him one night, no one morning, because I knew he traveled a lot and was on European time. I think I called about five o'clock in the morning and he asked, do you want to come run my label? He was thinking of starting a label. And I said yes without even thinking about it. At the time, I was working for the Salvation Army as a homeless housing advocate. And I've been trying to put together different entertainment events on campus. And I was just, I would listen to his music just to get me through the monotony of work and being in a town that didn't have a music scene. So when um, I called him and he asked me, I didn't even think about what it would mean. I just said yes. And that was in like April of 2002. And I think I was living here. Within a week, I moved back to Detroit and started from scratch learning on the job. Wow. Why do you
0: think he asked you?
1: He wanted someone he can trust. He knew that I was recently graduated from school and just wanted to give it a try. I had known him for years. And we, like I said, we always talked about music. I don't know. I can't say why for sure he asked me. I'm just grateful that he did. <laughs> I'm grateful that he trusted me enough to entrust this new label, Mahogany Music. Because KDJ Records was started in 1994 prior to my arrival. So it was I started mahogany music and our first our first release on the label was uh, I'm doing fine with Aunt Fiddler and I can remember I can get to this later on, but I can remember my first introduction to so many people on this label, but it's just my life just totally changed in 2002.
2: And again in 2010 when Flo came along.
0: Yeah, so Flo, why did you get brought into this family?
2: So Kenny, I guess, stumbled upon my t-shirt blog that I had on MySpace. This was back in 2007, I believe. At the time, I had heard some of his music. I had heard the name, but I was not familiar really with KDJ Records, him as a person or as a DJ or as an artist. I accepted his friend request and he basically offered to send me some t-shirts because he liked those t-shirt collages. I was sent some t-shirts in the mail. I got a nice merch care package. And my mom was a senior. She all does these shirts. And two years later, in 2009, was his first gig in Vienna. And I went there wearing the Moody Man shirt, (laughs) just having a good time with my friends. He spotted me. He was like, oh, wait, come over here. I got to take your picture because it's not like there were tons of people wearing his shirt in the club, I guess. So that was the initial face-to-face meeting. And then uh, I think six months later, he had a second show in Vienna. And I also went. And that's when we first actually talked at the time I was working for the radio. Mm -hmm. And um, so I gave him my card and he gave me a record. We took some more pictures. That was in September of 2009. And in January, I had an email. Uh, Trace, you actually emailed the radio station looking for the girl in the attached photo. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at the time, this was in 2010, so I was invited to Detroit for SoulSkate. And nice. um, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: very nice. Why don't you just describe SoulSkate to us? Because I think that's definitely part of the broader uh, mahogany landscape that I'm kind of interested to know about.
1: SoulSkate is <sighs> like a wild intersection between roller skaters primarily from the United States and moody man and electronic music fans who converge in one place and it's this amazing dynamic of people who don't know about electronic music people who love skating people from people who skate from overseas people who've been to Detroit for the first time it's really like nothing I had ever experienced. I remember when Kenny wanted to start this party and he said, what do you think about giving a skating mm-hmm. party? And he always comes to me in flow with different ideas. Sometimes we're like, what? <laughs> but so when we started this soul skating 07, it was a one day party and we just did it as a uh, after party to movement. But a lot of people don't know that Kenny himself is an amazing skater. Oh, yes. He's the reason I started skating. And as we began traveling to a lot of parties in America, predominantly black skate parties, most We noticed that most of these parties were an entire weekend, or sometimes there's one in Atlanta, Joy skate which is probably the longest running. She's from Detroit as well. It's five days long. So there's typically daytime events where skaters gather, network, get to know, you know, they have meet and greets. They have whole hotels rented out for people that drive from all over the country. So we said, why, why don't we try to do that here? And I think was that 2010 flow? The first full weekend we have, I think, wasn't or 2012. Yeah,
2: 2000. When I was there for the first time, it was a Sunday night and that was a one night affair. And it was after midnight till I think five in the morning or something like that.
1: Right. Yeah. That's right. Just one night. uh, They usually go from midnight to five in the morning. So 2012. So Kenny is it's always evolving it started one night Kenny was always I still don't know if he's played a soul skate yet y'all actually he's always on the flyer <laughs> but we tend to bring in skate DJs and so for Kenny's fans they would come and they want to see Kenny play well Kenny is trying to skate manage the door <laughs> giving out food or selling so, you know giving shirts to people Mike Banks is at the door Here, Carl Craig is at the door you know so our party <laughs> I swear to you I don't know I, it's, it's difficult to describe what it is because we're so I'm sh- normally Well, it would have been last year, but because of the pandemic, we got a year off. But Soul Skate is so many things to so many people. For some people, it's an opportunity. I couldn't go to movement or maybe I did. But when I come to Soul Skate, I'm standing right next to Amp Fittler, Mm -hmm. Dame Funk, Mike Banks, And I'm in line for Soul Food with Divinity and Minx and or, oh, look at this guy. Look at the skate crew going around, spinning in circles, jumping. And oh, my God, look, it's DJ Quick. So one of the elements that we've added is there's always a surprise artist every time we have our party. And no one knows who that artist is except myself and Kenny until they get on the stage at the Mm -hmm. rink. So in 2018, we had Ronald Isley as our surprise artist. So far... Florence knows everyone who's been there because she's been there before. Isley. Well, who do we have? Florence,
2: Houdini, Rakim, Quick, DJ Quick, yeah, DJ um, Quick. Louis Vega, DJ. Was that? In, well, that was announced. Right. That was not a surprise. That was uh, announced. Do Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, we had Kim one Friday night. So yeah, Soul Skate is something that's is constantly growing and changing. We also try to support some establishments in Detroit, like Burt's. Burt's is one of the longest running jazz clubs in the city of Detroit. And we always have a Saturday daytime picnic there. So people are able to experience uh, our Eastern market, like our market day here on Saturdays, just to listen to some local music, meet a lot of local people. And they get to, you know, we bring a lot of different. I don't cultures together and different, you know, age groups. There's people there with their children. There's sixty and seventy year olds. There's twenty-one year olds. So it's it's a pretty dynamic event that's constantly changing. Mm. Please come and be our guest if every year in the city <laughs> or you intend to come, you let us well, know and we'll make sure. Major
0: problem, I cannot skate. I need to practice, clearly. It would be so embarrassing to go all the way to Detroit and put like lace up those skates and then just look like a giraffe, you know, or just, oh my God, I'm cringing at the thought of it. Oh, you will be
1: fine. There's so many first timers that come that can't wait, you know, to come out, yeah.
0: It's funny, isn't it? The idea of like that kind of party where you have all the generations. I think that's difficult to do. And it's really like precious when you manage to create an event that you can have like multiple generations at. Tracy, when you were first friends with Kenny as like as a teenager, I mean, what is it that you think you had in common? Like what has made this working relationship so successful, do you think?
1: Well, one of the things is that Kenny is, I would have to say, other than Jesus, the most generous person I know. And I just watch In addition to music, like I said, there are certain things that me will be somewhere and a song will come on and me, Kenny, and Florence will all, oh my God, that's so and so. Florence knows when it was made. Kenny knows where it was made. I know the artist. We we just we really truly love music and all kinds of music. But Kenny is just working for him. Sometimes I don't understand what he does, like. A lot of people could not imagine how many surprised Kenny is known for surprising people. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, one, one story I would like to share. And this it's a privilege for me to be a part of it. When I'm working with Kenny, I remember once when he, uh, once after Prince died, shortly after there's some women in Detroit that are diehard Prince fans. Mm. And he said, what do you think about taking them to Paisley park? And he had instructed me to go online to get VIP tickets for each and every one of them, hotel rooms for each and every one of them. And he told them, I want you to come to Minnesota. I'm playing at uh, the club that, what's the club, Lawrence? First From Avenue. Movie, First Avenue. So these four ladies were so excited. Oh, we're going, Kenny's taking us to Minnesota. We're going to play, he's going to play at the club. You know, That's enough, this iconic club where Purple Rain was filmed. They're going to come watch uh, Kenny play. And so the next morning after that, you know, we were at breakfast, everyone's talking. And I said, we said, let's take a ride, get in the car with these women. I recorded this moment Mm because I wanted proof of people to see their joy. We pull up to, we're in Chanhazen and we pull up and there's Prince's house and they just started screaming and crying (laughs) and, oh my God, Kenny, I cannot, just to witness their their reaction to that someone had done something this nice for Mm -hmm. them. They never thought they would have been able to go. I don't even know if they knew the event was taking place. And just to be a part of making making these four women that happy, but I've seen that expanded from our our personal friend group across the globe oftentimes me and Florence are out he's giving things to people bringing people backstage he's sent shoes to people's children that you know some of his fans i mean just just the type of stories and things that we know that other people don't know it's it's amazing to be a part of and to know that we are trying to make the world a better place, making people happy outside of the dance floor. He he's you know outside of making good music, he's just a good person. He's always trying to give something to somebody, mm. and that that can be so rare in this industry. For to, to to work with someone who's un whose spirit is still so kind and unchanged.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because obviously he doesn't really do lots of interviews and I suppose that could be read as either someone being kind of shy or like protective or even like a a more pointed like anti-industry or anti-fame kind of thing. Like, is it any of those things or is there something else going on with his kind of reticence to be like in the spotlight doing interviews?
1: I I don't think he's anti-anything. He's all, he always feels like there's so many other talented people. Why do they want to talk to me? I think it's more humility than people will accept, but it's not any sort of, you no, know, it's it's not any anti-industry anything. He's always looking to support other labels and companies and radio programs. And if he can't talk, he'll send them music or send them a package or some shirts or make sure he's always on me and Florence's head to make sure we're taking care of people you, you know you you all deal with it make sure you're not rude <laughs> and so no I, I don't accept that it's any sort of reticence or anti-industry um anything
0: um okay let's break down some of the actual uh, duties then because obviously you've got two of you running mahogany but Tracy you also run KDJ is that kind of how it works? or is it that you both do everything or g- give me a sense of what your kind of duties are like what an average like day or week looks like in in your virtual office
1: oh my god <laughs> oh my god i can't even there's no average i don't even know if i can answer that question like wow. a day could cons- i can't even tell you what a day could <laughs> consist of here but i would like to say that florence and i both do everything we are management control we are security guards we are we are security, security agents. <laughs> yes.
2: oh yes in the in the real sense <laughs>
1: right where did we do we take care of distribution every single thing is done in-house our social media distribution booking right. management uh to, you know tour management taking care of flights
0: i see i see okay so it's more than a label you're almost like you're also a a, a management like an agency in a sense as well you've got lots going on
1: That's a brilliant way to put it.
0: Before we move on to some other artists, actually, this is a really rare opportunity to maybe hear a little bit about Kenny's house, which seems to be somewhat legendary in terms of Detroit buildings. I I had heard that it was a purple house, among other things, um, like a prince shrine. Is that not true?
2: Mm. Mm. I heard that too. I'm not sure (laughs) if that's the truth. (laughs) Well, inside, inside the house... Uh, which is across the street from Submarriage on the East Grand Boulevard, mm-hmm. there is a very special room that is not a museum that houses Kenny's collection.
0: Mm. Oh, that okay. whole
2: house is not a shrine to Prince. I wouldn't, I not say so. But
0: is that is that actually his house, or is it just like somewhere else where he keeps his records? Is <laughs> his house?
2: That's the mahogany music headquarters. I would say what you say, Tracy.
0: Oh, okay, I the agree. basement yes.
2: has all the.
0: The records, merchandise. the
2: merchandise, uh, the office. There's also studio space in there, but uh, it's not the Prince shrine.
1: <laughs> I'm actually in that said house now.
2: Oh yeah. really?
0: <laughs> okay. Let's. Um, I'd like to talk about a few of the artists, just because you know it's the kind of label where artists reappear quite a lot. So obviously, there's something to be said for. A certain like family or community nature of the label, I think. Um, would it be right to say that most mahogany artists are from Detroit? Yes. Mm. Yes. And how much is that just happenstance, and how much is that a definite decision to to be a Detroit label?
1: I think it's intentional. I think mahogany music is Kenny's attempt at showcasing the talent of Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's all he believes in giving these people that are exceptionally talented many of them you know he's fans of these people not just oh we're both artists let me put your work out he enjoys the music that he puts out he listens to and he loves
0: Mm. so
1: Mm. I Mm. think it is very intentional on his part that mahogany music is showcasing the talent that we have within the city Mm. And oftentimes, giving people an, uh, an opportunity that other labels may not have found them worthy of, they may not be the right age or they haven't sold enough. But if he hears something that he likes, he will release it. He has the ability to do so because he run- is his label; he's not bound by any corporate chain of command.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Andres. I was, you know, going through l- lots of the catalog and thinking about, you know, he might be one of the best producers who's really capable of doing like house and hip hop and then also kind of erasing that distinction which i think maybe there are a few detroit artists specifically who are quite good at and i also just recently discovered the live version of new for you which i didn't know existed which was mind-blowingly good <laughs> <laughs> um, but what can what can you tell me about andres and and uh, how he kind of came into the mahogany family and what his kind of role is i guess what is what is his character
2: I'm going to say as much as I know, obviously I wasn't there and I wasn't around when Andres and Kenny met. But as far as I remember, uh, the story goes that Kenny was working at Buy and Andres was coming to buy records there. I think that's how they initially met. But Andres has a, a musical background through his father, who is a, I think, Grammy nominated, if not Grammy winning percussionist. Oh, wow. And so Andres also started playing, I think, at the tender age of three or four, Tracy?
1: I think so. I'm pretty sure it was that eight, around that time.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, but then his DJ roots are definitely in hip hop. I guess the the house or dance music was added later on. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, I find Andres is one of the most amazing DJs in he's just able to blend everything. <laughs> together and do it with the technique of a, of a very skilled hip-hop DJ. Mm. Like, he would scratch the the most... The most obscure Brazilian songs. Or some dub or or reggae with a Nirvana. Like, you would not see that ever. Like, you wouldn't imagine what he comes up with. And Kenny also always tells me he goes over to Andres' house, and Andres has, like, 100 new beats. Okay, here, here you go. This is some new material. So <laughs> we could put out, I don't know, 10 albums on Andres. At any given time. Yeah. But it's just, he's like constantly making beats or in the studio recording something for someone live or um, DJing. Like you can catch him almost at least twice a week, if not more than that, on his own Twitch channel. So he's always, he's Mm -hmm. always also immersed in music.
0: Is he DJing on Twitch?
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. All the time. I get notifications (laughs) at two in
0: the morning. Andres (laughs) started a stream.
2: (laughs) And he's well known for his marathon DJ sets as well. Right. Like Andres will not stop. He he can go on and on and on. I think I've the longest I've, like, I had it on. I'm sure I went to sleep and got back up. But it was, like, maybe 12 hours or so, and he's still on. It's, it's incredible.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah I, th- I feel like that's a bit of a theme as well, because does Kenny also, like, make a huge amount of music that perhaps never comes out?
2: I don't think as much as Andres. But there is a lot of music mm. that we will probably never hear from Lodina. Absolutely.
1: Kenny will pull out something. Or relax. I mentioned, I'll show up to the house and something is playing and he'll say that. Oh, shit. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, I'm <laughs> that 10 years ago.
0: I'm like, what? So. What, how does the kind of quality control work in terms of deciding what to release? Like, Do you two have much say in kind of guiding that?
1: I think it depends. Oftentimes, Kenny will call me and say, here, here's the next release. (laughs) And I have no, you know, I'll go through it or Florence. I think we both have similar experiences with that. But we do have conversations with him. He'll play something. I know there's um, there was a track. I forget what year it came out. Why do you feel that he wasn't going to release? And I begged him to. And thank God he did it. (laughs)
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure Florence and I both have there's either a version of a song that we want to come out or, you know, we're privileged to be able to hear things that other people don't. And like, Mm. oh, come on, I hope he puts this out because this is really good.
2: Yep. (laughs) Agreed. And also one thing is there's always version two, three, four, five, six, seven and probably 16. I got work is a good example. I remember exactly where I heard it the first time and he didn't tell me. He just tested it out in a club in Amsterdam. And I heard and I heard his voice, like, is that you? And then it was the, the <laughs> tune came in. It's like I got work. Eventually we shot a video for that in London. And eventually now you have a different version. And then there's another version, part three. Oh wow. So, but yeah, every Moody Man song you hear, you can be sure there are tons of other versions. Yeah, Absolutely. You can drive somewhere in the vault. Yeah. Oftentimes if
1: you uh seen Florence and I on stage with Kenny, you can see our excitement when certain like Andres New For You comes on or Kenny's when I uh if I gave you my love, only for me to listen to the album and that's not the version that we listen to on stage. So Florence says it's absolutely accurate. And I'll get upset sometimes because I'm I get this beat in my head and I can't get it out. And I'm like, well where is this version at?
0: And you can never hear it again.
1: Right, never hear it again. (laughs) <laughs> that that's the beauty i think of of being able to come and see him play is because you will hear something that's that, that may, may never be heard again right. or that yep. once it's released the version is totally different mm. he oftentimes will test things you know while he's playing so
0: does he like uh cut dub plates like acetates in order to test them in clubs or is he playing off like mp3s to do that
2: never no mp3s that seems that seems wrong
0: (laughs) we don't seems wrong (laughs) we do not even as the words came out of my mouth i was like what am i saying (laughs) no but but would it be like he'd cut a dub plate with like just one version or something it would be like one one record has it on it and then that's the only one
2: not that i know Mm. i don't think so but a while ago it would be cdrs and i convinced him at some point that you can put those on a usb and it's basically the same thing (laughs) (laughs) just make sure it's a high quality audio file don't do
0: the mp3s please (laughs) yeah sorry i didn't mean of course no i didn't mean to offend you with talk of. no 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 no. i just i just wanted to clarify that Um, something that I think is a real running theme when you know, hear about Detroit musicians, um, particularly not only Detroit, but, but as a kind of lineage and a community is the fact that there are a lot of people who can really play like people who play music, play instruments who are incredible keyboard players or saxophonists or whatever it might be, which I guess over time is something that is perhaps coming away from, like, house and techno more broadly. But with that in mind, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about Amp Fiddler, who is mm. obviously an incredible musician, um, first and foremost, and has amazingly just like surfed through all of these genres over all of the decades and kind of contributed like amazing, like relevant cutting edge things to all the, all of these different genres, I guess. Tell, tell me a bit about what kind of role he plays in the mix. Cause I know that he's obviously, uh, you know, he's, he's playing on records too, right? He's not just, um, he's not just in the background.
1: No, Anne and have a very close relationship that relationship was in place before I started working for him in 2002. Mm. He was actually the first artist, the first musician. I remember him saying his brother named Amp Fiddler will be calling you. And he did. And when I heard his voice and heard him sing, I was just blown away. Mm. And since that, since prior to 2002, they've, I think, contributed to each other's work, listened to each other's work. Kenny will make a, make a track, give it to Amp. Amp will put some bogus on it. Or Amp will make a track, give it to Kenny. So they they work together quite frequently. They mm. highly respect and love each other. And, you know, Amp is such a fixture for Mahogany music. He's always willing to contribute. He's always willing to just be there for Kenny and vice versa.
0: And he kind of provides that kind of physical, historical link to a certain lineage that I think Kenny is part of too, which is that he was, he was like in Parliament Funkadelic for a while. Mm-hmm. And I guess, that is some kind of, there's a flavor of that, the, you know, the, the cosmic slop and the George Clinton, which I think is such a feature of what Moody does on, on records and on albums as well. There's, to me, that's like that lineage seems to like breathe through their work somehow. Maybe that's an outsider thing to say. <laughs>
1: I would like to say Amp and his brother Bubs Fitler, who we lost mm-hmm. a few years ago. I'll listen to the songs and, and our catalog now has grown, thankfully, to a point where I'll listen to a song and I'll have to Flo will have to remind me or I'll have to Google the catalog number. But I'm like, oh, that's Bub, that's Amp. And we'll forget, you know, that that they've been a part of this many releases on the label.
0: Mm.
1: And then there's been other artists that Amp has introduced us to, like Paul Randolph, and you know, so.
0: And is there like a live iteration of Kenny's show that includes him? I don't believe
1: Amp was a part of the last tour, the live tour that Kenny uh, had, but I'm pretty sure it will be in the future. Mm. (laughs) That's something we would love to see, right, Flo?
2: Absolutely. Yes, I want to see that. We did a few um, Mahogany Music showcases where Amp was a part of, but he played his own set and then there's also the combination of amp fiddler and a drummer from detroit aka andreas so Andres would play congas and hmm. bongos to amp set and then switch between that and djing or scratching in between so yeah that's that, that's a, that's another dimension of,
0: yeah.
2: the, of the live show but i would definitely love to see i've never i've not seen the live show uh, when Kenny toured, was it in two thousand four? I believe
1: two thousand
2: five. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch that one, but yeah, I would love to see that. Mm. I would love to see Kenny perform live, actually. Yeah.
0: Oh, so there hasn't been one since then.
2: We did a, a surprise in Japan seven years ago. Hmm. Yes, was,
0: in twenty fourteen. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but he performed like three songs or something like oh, that wow. with um who was there? uh John Arnold and. Jeremy Ellis. Jeremy Ellis, right.
0: So someone that I really know almost nothing about but got heavily into it in the course of uh, doing some research on this is Norma Jean Bell. Oh. Well, okay, that's the kind of response I want to hear. Tell me anything that you possibly can about Norma Jean Bell, who... I, of whom I, I can find almost nothing on the internet, but seems to be a genius. <laughs>
1: Norma Jean, first of all, I couldn't believe Kenny actually knew her because when I talk about music, I, I grew up in Detroit listening to WJZZ and hearing these names, and it was always Norma Jean Bell and the All-Star. So she was already oh. a fixture and a talent Kenny's grandfather, Jimmy D, used to own a jazz club. So Kenny is really entrenched in music and knows so many artists. Mm. So that, again, is a relationship that predated my um, working for the label. But Norma Jean Bell coming over to Kenny's house or him telling me Norma Jean is going to call you. I'm like, Norma Jean who? You know, like Norma Jean Bell. And Norma Jean Bell is the reason Roberta Swede was a part of Mahogany Music. So I will always be, always be so grateful to her for that. And to see her pull that sex out. The last time I saw Norma play, I think was that a birthday party was given for Kenny by <laughs> Teresa Hill, who's an, another phenomenal DJ here in Detroit. And um Kenny and Norma performed Baddest Bitch and the crowd went completely crazy. And she played like it was the year she created the song. It was it was it was mm-hmm. unbelievable. It just floored me every time I see her play.
0: I mean, that is a record that yes, is a record it is. um what what else can you tell me about her though because I found out that um she was briefly in Frank Zappa's band like what <laughs> and then she and then she's just like this incredible house artist but is also like a sax player and a singer what else can we know about her
1: well first play with her recently I think and what two or three years ago Flo what was that you play you play with
2: Norman that was the first time you met her in person the first time I met Norma I actually have never met her in Detroit but I met her in the June club in Paris Norma performed live hmm. in June and I was fortunate enough to open up for her. That oh, was my amazing. first time meeting Norma Jean Bell but actually what I also wanted to say about Norma um, obviously her classic hit uh, with Kenny is just like it's it will never. It will never get old, but the first song I heard of Norma's and the first record I bought was Come Into My Room. I heard that on uh, the Jazz Peterson Worldwide Show. Later on, discovered that that was actually also um, produced in collaboration of by Kenny. So I had heard Moody Man on that Norma Jean Bell record for the very first time.
0: So they must have been working together like in the '90s, even would that be right? Yes, that would be right. Hmm. Yeah,
1: I'm hoping we come across some track that Candy has with Norma on it that's never been released mm-hmm. that can come out. So, and Norma is, you know, she's she's always looking to perform. She calls. She's, you know, she's ready to be back out on the on the stage. <laughs> and I'm 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 so excited for her to have that opportunity when things open back
0: up. And I mean, I wouldn't ask for her age, but she must be not young, right? Like if she was in Frank Zappa's band at some point, she's got to be like a a slightly older lady. So I was kind of wondering if she'd retired or something, but that's great.
1: Oh, she's not retired. I can tell you that because I was (laughs) in her studio recently and she has a beautiful home. I mean, Norma is just in so many ways she's so inspirational in so many ways she's a very beautiful woman however old she may be I have no idea I'm never gonna
0: ask no I was I absolutely (laughs) don't need to know and I can tell you her
1: her talent and wind power hasn't waned at all over the last Mm -hmm. I know at least 20 years since I've been working for Kenny so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what she's what she's working on soon
0: I mean I don't know perhaps this is different when you're in Detroit and kind of plugged into things a bit more but i I just feel as if I didn't know about her and I felt kind of like that seemed weird. I was like, this is someone who is extremely talented and is on a label that is, you know, reasonably well known and stuff. And I just felt there was something like, I feel like she's somehow been sidelined. I don't know. Maybe you don't agree. But to me, I feel like this is someone who doesn't get her dues. What do you think?
1: I appreciate you the respecting her work enough to think that she should be heard from more. And maybe this is something we can arrange with you, Charles, to have her
0: mm.
1: have her uh, talk to you. I yeah, she exactly. Will. I can't say for sure, but Norma's, even her voice, I think, you know, would just mm. blow you away, her, her speaking voice. Yes. So, <laughs> Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> even her speaking voice. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean... One can never really be sure, like, how, how these things even, like, translate internationally or anything. But it just seemed to me that I was just like, this is someone who should just be, cause someone like Andres is, is, I think, pretty famous in the UK, right? Like, it's someone I've known about Andres for years, and they're both, like, incredible musicians and who have had this like career in house music, but are also musicians. I don't know. It just seemed to me that I thought this woman needs to be more famous. So, (laughs)
1: And and I think too, there are so many people who are producers, musicians and DJs, but the DJing is what takes them across the water, not necessarily them playing the live instruments. So if Norma were to come, she would have to be featured with someone to play a a song or two, because we don't need to see Norma DJ, but will (laughs) people be open? I'm sure they would to seeing Norma pull out her set the phone and blow while Kenny is playing or while amp is playing or you yeah know. yeah
0: so. yep but then that just gets to some slightly more prosaic problems about how to you know bring music to other countries like taking a live band on tour is extremely complex and expensive Absolutely. basically right like yep <laughs> yes <laughs> mm-hmm. we're going to get back on to some of those sorts of topics in a sec but there's one other album that I just wanted to mention that's um one that i really like that i feel maybe sticks out a little bit as a a bit different on the mahogany roster which is the urban tribe album that came out in 2010 and urban tribe obviously are you know historically also a 90s act um they'd released on so-called idm labels like reflex um and on moax and i guess I guess it's fair to say that, it, you know, it's a, a spikier kind of sound and more like techno sound than um, perhaps Mahogany is known for. Um, can you tell me anything about how that release came into your hands? I think a lot of this comes
1: from, well, in my opinion, the relationships, the existing relationships Kenny has had with DJ Stingray, with Carl Craig. And oftentimes these guys, it's always their intention to get together to make something musical, you know, musically and they got this idea together or have been working on things and decided to release it. One thing Kenny can tell you, you won't, even when he's DJing, you're not always going to get that four on the floor house music. It could we could release a jazz album on Mahogany Mm -hmm. music. So Mm -hmm. while we are primarily an electronic music label that encompasses not just house music. Yeah. Oftentimes it's other people that will say Kenny is house. Well, Kenny can give you some blues and some funk too. So. Yep. I feel like it's a project that, you know, this dear to Kenny's heart, he, he, I I wanted to divert a bit too when you talked about what what is it that we do for the label it's relationship building Florence and I mm. have people there are people that I've worked with in Europe and the UK and Scotland whose faces I hadn't seen some people I think I've seen everyone now but when you think about just building these relationships for years with people whether it's in the studio on the email a distributor a record store owner I think that's also present in the music and it's also how some releases come
2: about
0: mm. so Florence, do you want to come in or
2: that particular album is like uh Tracy said, DJ Stingray, uh Sherrod Ingram, Car Craig, Kimmetrix is on some tracks, and uh Shake. Anthony Shakir, Shake, yeah. exactly, and Kenny. It's it's a collaboration between those artists, and there's probably some urban trap material that from those sessions that we also haven't heard. Mm. In terms of uh, musical styles, like Tracy also said, nothing surprises me. I could see anything happen on Mahogany Music in the the future. And also KDG Records, like Kenny would also do more techno uh, tracks and then come back and and, and break it all the way down to some Mm. lovely, soulful sounds.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I I was thinking, oh, this is... You know kind of different and it's like this whole other strand of of detroit and it's this you know more like machines and robots and it reminds me of like yeah underground resistance and this kind of strand but then also i mean again everything i know about detroit is secondhand wisdom you know but i've also heard that in detroit there is this like a kind of radio culture and a musical culture that is really eclectic is that right like the idea that you know historically someone like um Electrifying Mojo could play anything or like the wizard would play anything on the radio and that people are are kind of open-minded is that kind of is that something that you think is true of like a detroit listener
1: i absolutely think it's true you can look like you can see someone in detroit who looks like the most hardened criminal out there who's listening to michael franks listening to prince (laughs) listening to um the Grateful Dead. And you would never, <laughs> you know, you would never look at this person and think so. I've heard people like jean LePonty from France, who's a jazz violinist, say that their biggest fan base is in Detroit and has been for 20 years. And I remember when I was younger, where Mojo, when you would be in your car, people would be flickering their lights in the car and the, and the porch, the the lights on their porch, because Mojo told them that's how we could identify who was listening to the radio. And even, you know, Prince has this iconic interview with Mojo. So Detroit will astound you with the, the musical taste that people have, mm-hmm. even within groups like you you can have people that are friends like Mike Banks, Kenny, DJ Stingray and Carl. And you listen to them talk about music. You'd, you'd be amazed at what they where they diverge and where they come together and what, you know, the tastes are just so varied, so varied here.
0: I'd love it if both of you could maybe pick like a a kind of all-time favorite record on the label. Well, here are the kind of options. I'd love to know an all-time favorite record, but I know that you'll say I couldn't pick a favorite. So, okay, fine. (laughs) Um, But I'm kind of interested in maybe like the one that you've played most, the one that you feel that you've come back to the most. And then maybe if there's one that just means most to you in terms of the kind of story behind getting it out.
1: Hmm. You know how tough that is. Well, I mentioned earlier how I used to listen to I, I know I used to listen to Your Sweet Lovin' when I was up in Lansing and I felt so stuck. Mm. There's so, there's several songs. Let me just pull, I hate to have to pull out my phone and look at my uh, most recent. My <laughs> That's most what I'm doing right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassed.
1: I will say this. There is a hidden track on Black Mahogany. And this actually came out on Peace Frog, so maybe you shouldn't record this part. I love Peace Frog, by the way, but it's a hidden track. You know which one I'm talking about, Florence.
2: I believe I do.
1: I don't even know if it has a name, but the woman is saying Sunshine. But Kenny has a song called Sunshine, and that's not it. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have this vinyl, you won't know what I'm talking about. And I have searched. It's not on YouTube either. So if you don't have the record, oh God, I have to send it to you. You will love it. That song just resonates with me on such a, Uh, visceral level because some of this this was made before I was working for Kenny I oftentimes will listen to his music and like what like any anybody else that likes music what was he thinking about when he made
0: this
2: you know like why does this song sound like this yeah
1: (laughs) but I'm going to find something more concrete
0: Florence do you have one that you had thought of in the meantime
2: definitely not one this is I've avoided this question, but ask me for my favorite, even ask me for my top 10. Those could change from day right. to day and from week to week. And I mean, my first introduction to the label was the first 12-inch mahogany music one, which was I'm doing fine with Anne Fitler. That was just such a that's just such a classic. And recently I've been listening to a lot of the Celebrity Barbecue Sauce mm-hmm. album. I love Formula for Passion. I love also that there are different styles on the album, but I couldn't give you, like, I don't even want this part to be <laughs> oh, <I laughs> don't in don't there. Like, it's like I can't. I can't. Like, Andres alone, you know. I every, could say like, ooh, if Andres. Me, you know, Andres 2003,
1: that first one, I used to listen to it so much. Mm-hmm. It's just that People. that album blew blew me away. Yeah, I love that. Is one of my absolute favorite mahogany releases. And recently with Kenny, you're it's, still um, the one. Oh my god! Yeah, that song gives reality. me chills. Oh, reality. Now that. Oh my god. Shall have you heard reality? Have you heard? You have to sit and listen to every single song. It's just.
0: Wait, which record is it from? Andres' first release the on the label. Album. Oh, Andres, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two
1: thousand three. And most, and lately I've been listening to sometimes when I, uh, what is it? There's a skit Kenny has, it's called I'm Already High. It's like a conversation <laughs> he's having with himself. It is absolutely brilliant. It's like a minute <laughs> and a half with this Brazilian beat behind it. It's just classic Kenny. He's so funny. Sometimes people, you know, some of the most fun that we have is on the road, on flights and cars on our way to the venue, just <laughs> being in each other's presence and Florence, people get us confused everywhere we go. (laughs) And sometimes when I listen to some of these songs, it brings that, you know, I I conjure these memories.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: So that's one of one of the things I love most about what I do is that Florence is from a whole nother complete continent, and people all over the world. Kenny never wants to accept this that we look alike. People confuse us all the time. They'll come up to her and say, "I just saw you," or they'll see me and ask, "Don't you remember when I was? When, you know when I saw you in France?" And I'm like, that's not me, that's Flo. <laughs> and, it is, I, I love that. Like, she is I my agree. wonder twin. Like, she's mm-hmm. so everything I'm weak in. She's She's got so many superpowers. I can't even tell you how how she keeps me together. Like, her mind is just brilliant. <laughs> and the fact that we look so much alike,
2: I just I'm love that. <laughs> I miss you too, Tracy. I miss you too.
0: <laughs> oh, God. And this
2: is the thing we it's appreciate been a minute. Yeah. yeah. Like,
0: women. Yeah
1: it's not enough of us like in the industry i know that was one of the things you had initially asked about like in detroit i've been i've i've had the pleasure of being around women like bridget banks in in our house music industry techno electronic music i know that there was kelly han had a record label acacia records still does there's women on wax with uh, dj minx in detroit
0: mm-hmm. but
1: for some of the larger more well-known labels there's not a lot of women that have opportunities like like Florence and myself, Mm. and the opportunity to build these relationships internationally. And I would like to see more of it. I would like to see women that aren't involved with the label because of who they're dating, or you're backstage because you know the DJ, but the opportunity to learn and grow and be a part of this scene, because I think it's so important. And we've had good experiences. Like people, I think people respect our work, our longevity. There are some people that question this label with the amount of records we press, but (laughs) we take our work very seriously. We take kenny and we take each other we take our entire community very seriously and we hope that people mm-hmm. do respect that about us we may not you know be degreed in business and marketing but to know when we step out onto a stage that there are anywhere from a hundred to a thousand people there because of the work that we've done or someone can hold a record and say this means so much to me to have had anything to do with it is something it's a source of pride for both of us
0: mm-hmm. could you elaborate on uh, you referred then to the number of records?
2: Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you started it. You just started it. <laughs> this is a label
0: that are not known for pressing lots of copies of records. That's right. And why is that? Because what Kenny says goes. Would you prefer to print more records?
1: <laughs> there are times that I would, but mm. I'm not an artist who's had to deal with records being sent back. And not being afraid that it's not going to happen again if someone changes their mind. I think there's a lot of misconceptions as to why we only press so many of our records. But I don't, I don't mm-hmm. even know if this is something
0: I want to get into. <laughs> on but what's the like? What do you have like a set number that you would press for per like per per issue
2: kind of thing? Mm. Depends on the release, I would say. But even the most recent release on KDJ Records. I think this was the most that's ever been pressed and it was a triple pack and it was still not enough. So
0: We're taken away. Mm-hmm. 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 Yes. I, uh, I thought about that the other day and I was like, maybe I'd like to buy that. And I had a look on Discogs and it's very <laughs> expensive. And I also, I kind of wondered that about that, right? Because like when you don't press very many copies of something that is then popular, there are people out there who are like taking massive cuts off of your hard work. That seems annoying.
2: Well, what is a lot of records for an independent label? But I don't know, Tracy. Do we want to get into this? <laughs> I don't know that I want lot. to get
1: into it. But right. <laughs> yeah, but Fair from enough, what sorry. we've been told by record presses, like no one is pressing this much. So mm-hmm. it is absolutely what is not true is that we are trying to start bidding wars on on certain websites. That is that is not the case at all.
0: Right. You right. know. Yeah.
1: I think again, knowing Kenny, I tr- you know it's not my label. This is a true. This is his record label. If he tells me we're only pressing a hundred records and a hundred records, it is. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, I suppose. I, I mean, probably for in terms of what's considered like an average number these days, yeah, obviously people are, are pressing far fewer records than they used to. But maybe we should just take a moment um, just to talk about Taken Away, which. Like, it's a really silly thing to say, oh, my favorite record on the label is the last one that you put out, but oh my God, that album. <laughs> like, ah, oh, it just like keeps revealing itself to me in like new ways every time I listen to it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just not surprised that there is the demand for it, that there is. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the kind of record that once you hear it, you want it on vinyl. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to explain. You just need it like as an object in your house.
2: <laughs> I agree. And it was actually... It was a historic one in the sense that it only came out in digital format last year.
0: Mm. Mm, There was a demand
2: for vinyl, obviously, immediately. And we also had plans on releasing it sooner. It was even more of a a relief to finally have it in my hand as well.
0: Yeah. I love the cover art too. Where does that come from?
1: That's Richard Wilson Mm. from London. And it's a, it's taken from a photo that I took right here in this building Mm -hmm. of Kenny. And then we handed it off to Richard to paint. So
0: I think that's partly why it's because I felt like I needed that image large in my Mm -hmm. house. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just such a beautiful image. Like (laughs) it really is a beautiful image. (laughs) Yeah. It is. And I think just as a record, like it's so, it just condenses so many of the things that Kenny's so good at. And like it takes you on this like kind of epic, like history it's so personal it uh, it just does so many things for me but though let me ask you let me flip that question around and ask yeah. you a, a different question which is um is there a record that was very difficult to bring to life what what's like the hardest record (laughs) that you've ever (laughs) had to to birth because i get the impression that some of them probably take quite a long time from start to finish
1: there is a a release we're working on now that's taken far too long (laughs) i don't want to mention and um um, i'm frankly you know things happen it will it will come out and we are working on it Mm -hmm. yeah i think andres and then taken away i think there was such a such a demand for it. But in terms, again, going back to the number that were pressed, you never really know. You can say, let you know, we've, we've had situations before. I will just say that people requested an amount of records and then they wanted to send them back. So mm. it's easy for people to say, well, you should press 20,000. And if 10,000 gets sent, gets sent back, then what? We like to think that people will love every release that we put out. But we we don't take for granted. We are not arrogant enough to assume that everything we put out, everyone is just going to love it. Mm-hmm. Not, not, none of us feel that way
0: kind of on the same note of like challenges and the industry I mean you mentioned perhaps some of the good aspects of being a woman in the industry and, and how that may have kind of benefited you in some ways but have you felt that your careers have been kind of limited or in some way different because you're women like do you feel like you have to engage with the industry in a different way or
2: Well, I don't know how it is to be a man, so I can't (laughs) tell
1: you. (laughs) I can honestly say that I'm grateful. I, I have the support of Kenny First and Florence, and I don't find myself in situations where I think would have necessarily been easier if I were a man. Mm-hmm. honestly now i know that there I, i'm honest enough to know there are things that i could do better i think we everyone can do better with something but i pride myself on being a woman and how i how i speak to people i value everyone i work with even when we're at venues i value the the security person the person picking up the bottles you know the driver who picks me up who makes sure that i get there safely and i don't know being a woman i i think that we we celebrate these people. We don't disregard folks, you know, by virtue of me coming from Detroit, being black, being a woman, whatever it is. But I don't I've I've never been blatantly disrespected. I've never had any issues. I don't have a me too story. Florence and myself conduct business accordingly. You know, we I don't know. Mm, mm, I would mm. like to see more women in the industry, but I yep. do those women want to be. Um I, but I, I'm, I i know that I'm in this industry because of Mr. Dixon I didn't put myself here and I know that there are plenty mm-hmm. of other producers who feel like maybe I'm not qualified because I'm not Detroit I'm from Detroit I'm not from New York or I'm from Europe I feel like in Europe women have a lot more opportunity than I see in the United States I don't do you feel that way Florence? I see a lot of women that are manager well I think I do see women that are at least service some sort of management for some artists
2: mm, yeah I think a lot of that is changing, but we're definitely in a very privileged position, both Tracy and myself.
1: And I mean, in Florence, I don't mean to, to cut us off, but like the relationship that we have with Carhartt is because of Florence.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it's not because of of Kenny primarily. Florence made that possible. She makes so many things possible and... <laughs> You know, how how you, Kenny always tells us, and I don't think he would have to, but how you treat people is important. People remember how you make Mm -hmm. them feel and we're not doing it because we're being told it is a massive privilege, even to be the fact that you took the time on, you wanted to talk to Florence and I, because I must tell you, we both had serious misgivings, like, oh, I don't know. You know, we're not used to it for one thing, but we are very grateful for that. You found us worthy of the opportunity to hear our story. You know, but that, but people... that's
0: it, though, isn't it? It's important to, you know, your story is maybe a little bit unusual. And yeah, there, there really aren't that many women involved in running labels. Like, it's really mm-hmm. important to speak to you and for you to be able to say something about your experience, I, I think.
1: And Kenny will insist, talk to Flo, talk to Tracy. Sometimes mm-hmm. people try to circumvent us, text him, <laughs> or they don't like a response we've given. Well, I talked to your girl, but she said, no, talk to Tracy, talk to Flo. <laughs> so it, it, it's Im- <laughs> He makes it possible. And I think other people could do the same thing, but it's obvious Florence and I have a completely above board relationships with Kenny. We're all like family. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And when you come from a true place of love and respect, anything is possible. If people are given the opportunity, my degree is in family community service in the College of Human Ecology from Michigan State. It has nothing to do with music business, but I learned because I was given the opportunity to when I took it seriously. And I'm still learning. There are certain platforms. Now, my daughter is involved with helping us. She actually built the Moody Man website and her and Florence are constantly concocting some new uh, protocol to improve something. And I'm fascinated by their minds. You know,
0: (laughs) that's great. Your daughter built the website. Yes, she did. That's so amazing. The record see, that
1: you see spinning, she took every photo on there, and he gave <laughs> her the opportunity to do that. You know,
0: amazing. See, but again, that's another job that you know stereotypically you wouldn't expect a woman to have coded the website. So that's right. cool. I mean, it's, yeah, it's funny you say. Like in in Europe, um, the opportunities may be different. I definitely see a lot of women um, in management and in like PR, but actually running a label still. Not many, but there have been a lot more recently. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, the same with DJing. It was like mm-hmm. even even like seven or eight years ago, there were really not many women DJs around. And now, I mean, the whole thing has completely changed as as far as I can see. Like the the mood in the club is different. Even there's just more women everywhere. It's good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we're just grateful. Mahogany didn't need me to to give women a chance. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You've been. Doing this job for quite a long time. And in that time, the industry itself has changed a lot. The way that people listen to music has changed a lot. Um, you know, a massive shift towards digital and also into the hands of like Apple and Spotify instead of all the different kind of record labels. And lots of things have changed essentially. Um, what could you tell me about like the kind of changes that you've seen? since doing this job? Like, how do you think running an independent record label has changed over the last, I guess, what year did you say you started? It was... 2002 for myself. So so nearly 20 years. Yeah, what do you think are the biggest changes in terms of running an an independent record label?
1: I I know one thing that uh, Florence changed for me was I I started record labels when you physically sent out white labels in the mail and then one day Florence sends me a link and says, here you go, uh, here's a SoundCloud link. So to see how so many things are being digitized and now that things have changed with the pandemic, I often wonder with Twitch, how it will impact touring. I know a lot of people are very anxious to get back, but I wonder if, we, if, if people will now look at performing. We have, it's not something that we've done any streaming concerts, but I know that a lot of DJs have pivoted towards Twitch and the pay-per-view thing. So I don't know if that's something that the industry will now have to contend with. And that's not necessarily the label side. But because Mm. we don't, our label is different. People often will, you know, we've read that we need to do things differently. We're behind the times. We're too underground. So because it's truly 100% independent, I must say I'm not so concerned. I think now one of the things that we can do, honestly, we're better able to gauge because of technology, real interest. Like people don't necessarily have to guess because distributors can go to record stores. They can place it in a pro, you know, an order based on, you know, your p- people are able to instantly prepay for things now. So I know one of the things that well taken away, we actually sold, this was the first release that we sold through our website first, and that did pretty well. So it's, comforting to know that we are enabled because of technology to truly be if we wanted to be independent but we respect the ecology of dance music and the distributors and we've had we've had a lot of people contacting Florence and myself requesting to be sold records to directly but we have to keep the distributors in business as well there is a protocol to things. And I, I think that I am, maybe I'm a dinosaur, but I don't wanna sidestep and say, let's wipe out the distributors and we just sell it all ourselves. We all need each other. Mm. I think if it's anything the pandemic has taught us, technology aside is we we need to be concerned about how our, what we what we do impacts others. And I think I, I like being able to make sure that other people have jobs and that they're relevant in this industry. Not that, okay, now mm-hmm. I have a website, I don't need a distributor anymore, no. I I recognize the ease that they provide for us. And for someone who lives in a remote village in Croatia or a tiny town in Austria, you know, if they want to get their hands on a record, the distributor may have a greater capability to reach them than we do.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I was talking, well, not talking, tapping away on Twitter about a point like this recently, which is someone was like making the case for, you know, how technology gives independent artists the power now to, like, go sell direct to fan, you know, and that this is, like, how things should be and you can cut out all the middlemen. And I'm like, middlemen are kind of what the whole scene, the whole community is, you know? It's, like, it's the distributors, it's the people who run record shops, it's the people who are running the door and, like, taking jackets and running the bar and all of these people who apparently are like getting in the way of your kind of experience you know direct experience fan to musician but it's all of those interactions that kind of make it interesting right like I'm sure that like you say it's like your job is about relationship building you know the names of the people who are doing all these different jobs it's like yeah I think I, I just think it's kind of wrong-headed to try to streamline that stuff in some ways so no it doesn't make you a dinosaur okay <laughs>
1: And it still gives us an opportunity. Oftentimes, Kenny and Florence, if I'm not around, will pop up at a particular record store with some copies. Mm -hmm. Like, one thing I can tell you about Mahogany Music and KDJ Records, you never know what could happen. The the record is sold out and one will show up in your mailbox. You know, there's so many (laughs) reasons for why we do things the way that we do. And it's not for everybody. Sometimes people don't understand it, but you can, you know, we just really want to be a part. We we are, we are grateful to be a part of this industry and to just more than that in service to humanity, to be able to talk about music, watch music, dance to music, create music, sell music. We all have a role to play. Carhartt and the support, the amazing support that they give to independent record labels. They've made a lot possible for us, even spreading, you know, introducing Kenny's music to much younger audiences. So, Mm -hmm. we all have a role to play and I just the opportunity to even engage I never thought that I would be being interviewed by a woman in the UK not me you know whoever thought that would happen (laughs) or that I would be partnering with someone in Vienna like you know come on
0: yeah I mean that I was going to ask about that like that seems complicated that you're just constantly on two continents is it how do you even make that work or do you have to uh Florence do you like start work late or like what what's the kind of protocol
2: (laughs) usually I start work late yes there's a time difference with six hours I'm six hours ahead yeah but um like we said earlier there's no um no typical day
0: it will change
2: from day to day and week to week so my office is where my uh, my laptop is and where i have wi-fi it, it doesn't really <laughs> it doesn't really matter where i'm in the world um and obviously the travel part of our job is not happening right now or yeah will hopefully happen at some point again but yeah other than that i need so you know internet connection
1: (laughs) we've been futuristic for a while shall because this is how florence and i have been working like i have been there are times i would be so alone because all my friends would be at work and i'm on my at home or in the office on my computer Mm. and and this is how it's been like i am such an early bird it's great Mm -hmm. to know i can call if i wake up at four o'clock it's not too early to call florence to call the uk (laughs) Even when I called Kenny that fateful morning and he offered me this job, it was five in the morning and nobody else would have been up, but I knew he was on you guys' time. So he was up. So it works <laughs> out for us. And Kenny is a damn artist. So he'll call Florence at some crazy time. It'll be guess eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning her time. It all works. It's not, it's not hard yeah. for us at all. It is not. It mm. really is not. For me, my life is patterned around you guys, the UK, especially Mm -hmm. we have we have always had such a strong audience like nobody knows music in this world like people from the UK (laughs) you know the northern soul folks and all the way you know down to London it's it it fascinates me so it's an honor for me I I like to get up with the birds in the UK you know (laughs) (laughs) and the Parisians and the Austrians and the Germans so
0: (laughs) okay I have one one last one um and I guess this is a kind of optimistic one So now that we are finally possibly maneuvering out of the pandemic at whatever speed, I don't know. Are you still in some kind of lockdown in Detroit?
1: Things have opened up. Uh, Kenny is actually playing tomorrow night here in Detroit.
0: Yeah.
1: So in Detroit, the messaging in Michigan now is if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear your mask outside, but it's warm and people are more likely to take them off. So, Yeah, things are pretty much open. I don't. I think school children don't have to go back into the fall. Clubs and restaurants are reopened, so I think wow. it's, we're pretty much open because we I think our vaccination rate is just at fifty percent or something like that.
0: Nice. What about in Austria then?
2: Yeah the the lockdown is yeah. over. Uh-huh. I went to the gym for the first time today. So <laughs> <laughs> restaurants are open. There is a curfew at ten. Um, okay. Children are back in school. But yeah slowly, but surely we
0: there. all right, here. so so the question is now that we are definitely on the cusp of going getting to go back out there, um tell me, describe for me what your kind of ideal first party back would be like, and I would like to know something that you would like to see change, something different from before this kind of colossal shutdown.
1: I love to be back at a music festival and on a boat party in croatia
0: oh nice <laughs> i have been on a boat party in croatia and there is something quite special about that yeah,
1: the Argonauti in particular oh, yeah. <laughs> and and i say that because when i'm in croatia well some of the, the festivals there there aren't so massive it's a yeah. it's a nice crowd it's manageable it's almost feels like a family gathering but who would with- be
0: playing on the boat though
1: oh no that I, mm. Flo would be playing first of all
0: that's a good answer <laughs>
2: <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> I had the honor of playing on the Argonauti once and that was amazing <laughs> my ideal lineup I would say would always be three chairs I want to oh, experience nice. that one more time I don't need nothing else <laughs> I'd probably be back in Detroit at Burt's or or, <laughs> or what's the What's the the music gallery? One of Theo's parties, dark phones in pockets or in, in the locker somewhere. Mm. I would love to see people just dance with each other instead of staring and recording the DJ.
0: Yes, that's a good suggestion. Yeah. yeah.
2: I don't enjoy being recorded or stared at when I'm DJing. I would love to see that I make you dance. I would love to see less phones in the air
0: and more more
2: interaction of the crowd.
0: So Tracy's coming to Europe to see Florence and Florence is going to Detroit to see three (laughs) (laughs) chairs. You might have to do some scheduling to make sure that works out. Oh, yes. Um,
1: And also I have to say Southport Weekender I could do a cartwheel through the wall right now, waiting for that to come back around <laughs> in 2022. Yes. I've only that's... had the opportunity to go once and that was life-changing for me. I mean, I've never experienced anything like that before.
0: Wow. I've never been. What's oh, what's what's the vibe? God. The vibe is all
1: these music loving people literally under one roof with multiple venues within that roof. I can remember me and Florence, I think both in tears, watching Shaka Khan with maybe mm. hundreds, if not a thousand other people. Mm-hmm. at Southport, we at some tiny village in the UK. I mean, mm-hmm. I love the English countryside anyway, but it's so far out. This music industry, our music in particular fascinates me because I don't think this can be said of any other genres, not hip hop, not R&B, not classical jazz, maybe some of the jazz festivals, but to go to some of the remotes, most remote locations in the world and people from all over the world are communing together over some shared love of a song or an Mm. artist and a DJ, not even, not even a live music artist, but someone playing all types of music. It's just, this is one reason I love music festivals so much.
0: I've just Googled it quickly and it looks like it is on next year. So (laughs) 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 see you in a year. (laughs) Florence, Tracy, thank you so, so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You've been listening to Relevant Parties from Carhartt Work in Progress. If you want to dive into more music from the labels in this series, check out the Relevant Parties playlist on Spotify. You can find the link in the show notes. And remember, you can subscribe to Relevant Parties so that you never miss an episode. It's available wherever good podcasts are found. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave a rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. We'd really love to know what you think. So thanks for listening and join me next time for more stories behind the world's best record labels.